0: and they also are maturing trials mature you now to trust in god and david learned some very valuable lessons and he gives us here three now important instructions to follow during difficult times in our lives three different important instructions to follow during difficult times in our lives during difficult times in our country during difficult times in your marriage During difficult times in your devotional walk, three important now instructions for us to glean from, learn from, and live by. Live by. You have an option and a very important decision that you're going to make today as you listen to this message. And you can walk out of this sanctuary one of two ways. One, having received the word and do nothing with it. And the second, having received the word, applied it to your life and let it change you. But the three important instructions that David gives us or that he shows us is that, number one, we ought to praise God for all that He has done. You're going to a difficult situation. Remember this, number one. First, praise God for all that He has done. Secondly, we ought to give God all that He asks. (laughs) That's difficult oftentimes when we're going through difficult situations. Number one, praise God for all that He's done, even during difficult times. Thank God or praise God. Give God thanks for all that He asks. Give God all that He asks. And number three, trust God for all that remains. That's heavy right there. Number one, praise God for all that He's done. Number two, give God all that He asks. And number three, trust God for all that remains. Because with what you know you obey... And with what remains, you trust in the Lord. (laughs) With what you know, you obey. And what remains, you trust in the Lord. Let's go here to Psalms 40, verse 1, and let's see what God has for us as a church tonight. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. This is our testimony. And he set my foot upon a rock and he established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God, will see it and fear. Many will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, notice this, and does not respect the proud, nor such a turn aside to idols. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts, circle the word thoughts, toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If it would declare, I would speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for your word that it is true, it is relevant in our lives today, in our world, in our country, God, we pray For our president, we pray, God, that you would give them the wisdom and the humility that he needs right now. We ask for our country that is divided, that is frustrated, some even angry, others afraid. We are not going to put the emphasis on a man. We're going to put all our emphasis, all our focus on you, God. Man will let us down, but you, Lord, will never let us down. And I pray, God, that we would praise you for all that you've done, give you all that you ask, and trust you with all that remains. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Together we said, Amen. Now notice that it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. This is a song, not only a psalm, but if you recognize this, now Psalm 40, you've recognized it through a song before that has been saying. And you see here now the psalmist's attitude. This is the attitude of one now that is praising God for all that God has done in the past. During difficult moments in our lives, what we ought to do is to remember the faithfulness of God in the past. And notice what the psalmist says. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I'm waiting for the Lord to help me. Emphasis here on waiting solely on the Lord, not on man. I'm waiting on the Lord. My focus is on the Lord. The emphasis is on the Lord. And he's expressing now here a confident trust now of faith in the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. Look at the response of God. And He heard my cry. This is awesome. The Lord turned to me and He heard my cry. Now here in verse 1 He's teaching us how we ought to wait for the Lord's help. How are you to wait for the Lord's help? Oftentimes, we like to wait in the flesh. And what that means is that when we're waiting, we want to now manipulate or defend ourselves and, and want to go out and work things out in our own flesh and matter, in our own strength. But David was a humble man that he said, I'm going to wait patiently for God, and I'm going to wait for Him to help me now, and I'm going to turn to Him. Notice what the Lord does as He turns and it helps David. As He turns and helps you right now. Because all of us here have one thing in common. We all need the Lord. We all need help from the Lord. Lord, I was distressed. I was in anxiety. I was fearful. I was discouraged. I needed help. So I waited patiently for the Lord. Now notice as he goes on and, and he says this. This is his testimony. And this is ours as well. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. Verse 2. And he brought me up from the horrible, horrible, pit out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon the rock. Wow. Can you remember a time in your life or a season when you were in the pit of despair? When you were in the miry clay, when you were stuck, that's what He's saying, in a pit where I couldn't come out of that pit, or the miry clay where I felt stuck, that I couldn't advance now, where I was distressed, I was filled with anxiety now, I was hopeless And listen to this, I was helpless. David is saying, I felt hopeless, I felt helpless in this situation. I felt stuck, but Lord, you rescued me and you set my feet on solid ground. I felt like I was sinking. I felt like I was sinking. And Lord, you steadied my steps. Wow, this is amazing because he's praising God for everything that God has done. Notice what the Lord does for him as he now lifts him up. You lifted me up. You rescued me. I was sinking, Lord, in the pit of despair and anxiety, but you lifted me up from that horrible situation and you set my feet on solid ground on the rock. You set my feet on a firm foundation. You established my steps because my steps were becoming very weak. And he says this in verse 3, He put, or He has put, a new song in my mouth. (laughs) This is beautiful. Now, does this speak literally of a new song or new lyrics? Not necessarily, although it can mean that, but it speaks, He gave me a new heart to sing. (laughs) That's amazing. I wasn't going through the motions. I wasn't just singing from the lips. I was singing from the heart out of a response of what God did when He lifted me up from the miry clay. He gave me a hymn of praise to God for deliverance. Now, listen to what he says here in verse 3. This is important here. Praise to our God. Many will see it. Many will see what God has done in my life and fear. Many people will see how God lifted me up from from the road in recovery... Or the road to recovery. And they will praise God and they will turn their trust in the Lord. Right here we're in a very critical time in our life, in our country, where where the world needs hope. And the world is looking for where it can find hope. And the world oftentimes looks to the world, looks to culture, looks to answers. And all of those things are going to leave them empty. We look to equality, we look to justice, but we don't look to the cross. And that's the core issue of the problem, that's the heart of the problem, it's the problem of the heart. And we see that here very much so very quickly that he's saying many are going to see how God lifted me up. They're going to fear God and they're going to put their trust in Him. Because God has given me deliverance and He's given me a fresh new heart to sing to Him. So many will see the testimony in my life, and they're going to look to the Lord. Now look at the promise in verse four and five. Blessed is the man! Oh, what a joy in that man's life! You want to live the blessed life? The here is now the key to living the blessed life in two verses. Oftentimes we think we think we need many verses to live the blessed life. The blessed life is here found in in two verses. One, two verses. Verse four, verse five. You know what the blessed life looks like. The, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man, oh, how happy is the man who trusts in the Lord. And David realized that when he was living in a season of despair, when he was looking for where he can turn for trust, for help, to lean on, for security, for stability, for foundation. And he said, I have realized this, oh, blessed, oh, how happy is that man that learns to trust in God. Oftentimes we think that in the road to recovery, we need 12 steps. You need one step, to one, trust in the Lord. There it is. That's the best road to recovery. When you take a step towards God. And what he's saying here, he says, blessed is the man who puts his confidence in where? The Lord and never his confidence in man. Man will always let you down. In your own strength, you will let yourself down. oftentimes people tell me, well, I don't know how to do this. I keep failing and I'm trying and I fail again. I'm so frustrated. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I can't do this anymore. Of course you can't. You'll never be able to do it in your own strength. You need the Lord to help you. We need the Holy Spirit to do something and work in our lives. This message, this verse couldn't be more timely today. Because... David realizes that the blessed life is a life that is trusting in the Lord. That his confidence is in the Lord. Notice what he says here now. And and makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Those that don't give themselves over to pride. And those that don't give themselves over to idolatry. You know how we can give ourselves over to idolatry when we start to look to man as our answer? Idolatry. Idolatry. Because we've made man now an idol or an answer for the hopelessness or the helplessness that only God can fulfill in our lives. Only the Lord can do it now. In fact, he recalls now how how the Lord has done it in the time again, again, and again. And he says in verse 5, Many are your works. This is why I can trust you, Lord. Because many are your wonderful works. Listen to what he says. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. O Lord, this is why I trust you. Because when I looked in the past, you never failed me once. Many are your works that you have done. And your thoughts, we circled already that word thoughts now, toward me cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be more than they can be numbered. O Lord. When I think about how good you have been in the past and everything that you have for me in the future, if I could only number them in order, I wouldn't be able to list them, all your plans and your works that you've done in the past and what you have for me in the future. Now notice that word that he says in verse 5, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted. I want you to remember something if you're going through a troubled time right now tonight. That God's thoughts towards you, the word thoughts is the word plans. God has plans for you. God has a future for you that you can't even imagine and that you can't even count on how many thoughts that He thinks towards you, says the Lord. It's prophetic in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. After the nation of Israel had turned their back on the Lord, and the prophet Jeremiah was prophesying the consequences of disobedience, which would be bondage. He said, but I know, notice this, there's hope. And the hope is in Jeremiah 29:11, where it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. God has thoughts towards you. You might be feeling alone. You might be feeling anxious. You might think that there's no hope. Remember this, God has thoughts for me. God has plans for me, says the Lord. Look at his thoughts towards you, his plans. They are of peace and not of evil. They are of a future and of a hope. How does my future look? My future looks full of hope. And my future looks full of peace in the Lord. Do you see how this is amazing? How this is the promise that he's giving us? That we can rely on this now? You see, although these these preparation years were difficult, these preparation years in David's life were also maturing. Although these preparation years were difficult, they were also maturing. Now, we also ought to give God all that He asks of you. Praise God for everything He's done in the past, just as He did, David. But also now give God all that He asks of you in the future. Notice this. This is what God desires. This is the response of David. What he he, he thinks about, I can't even number what you think towards me. And he says in verse 6, sacrifice and offering you don't desire. David was looking to the Lord and says, Lord, in response of what you've done for me and all the thoughts and the plans and everything in the past and all your grace, I I wanted to come and sacrifice an animal for you. I wanted to come and give you an offering now to you, Lord. But that's not even what you desire. What you really desire is my heart. You know, one thing that we need to be reminded of tonight is that God knows your heart. Oftentimes we get so discouraged because of the things that we can't do, but God sees your heart. And David was saying, Lord, you're looking at my heart. Here I am, God, trying to please you with sacrifices and offerings. Although they do please the Lord, he's saying what you really desire, what really pleases you is the heart. Listen to what God wants. Because just because you're offering God something, it doesn't mean that's what He desires. What does God desire of you? What does God desire of you? Are you? Do you know? And are you giving Him what He desires or are you giving Him something else? Oftentimes we give God what we desire. <laughs> but David learned, I'm not going to give God what I desire. I want to give God what He desires. Because that is what pleases the Lord. Now let's keep reading here because we're going to find that out. And He says, sacrifices and offerings you don't desire... My ears you have opened. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. I listen to you now. I understand that you don't require burnt offerings and sacrifices, because burnt offerings and sacrifices, that can be all just all the motions. I can just be going through the motions, offering sacrifices and offerings. What you really want is my heart. And notice this, what happens here is that the first desire of God, he realizes that it's the heart as David's ears have opened. You know what it means when your ears are open? It means that not only are you listening, but you're ready to obey. My ears, you have opened. Lord, open my ears to the message right now so that I can listen and I can also be ready to obey. An open ear, it's been said before this, I want you to take note of this, an open ear means a yielded, surrendered body. An open ear means a yielded, surrendered body. Because not only are you ready to hear, but you're ready to uh, respond in obedience. Now listen to what happens here, because we keep reading, and it says in verse 6, burn offerings and sin offerings, you do not require that. (laughs) In fact, then I said, look look at David's response now, Behold, I come. When I realized that you wanted my heart, I said, Lord, behold, I'm coming now, Lord. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I'm coming now in your word, in obedience to your word. Behold, I come in the scroll of the book, spending time in your word, and you've opened my eyes to hear. Now, this is amazing when the Lord opens our eyes and opens our ears and opens our heart. When does he do that? When we're in the book. If you're not in the book, God's not going to open your ears and, and eyes and heart to receive from Him. Do you remember in the road to Emmaus? When Jesus was discipling those two men that were aggrieved because Jesus, they thought they were, and we hoped that He would be our salvation of the Jewish people. And it said, it, finally, they, they, they arrived at the location on the road to Emmaus. They arrived at Emmaus, and it said that, that, they, that Jesus had gone through the Scriptures, and He expounded now on the Word of God from beginning to end, speaking about how the prophets spoke and, and prophesied regarding the Messiah. And Jesus broke bread, and He prayed for the bread. And after the bread, their eyes were open. They realized, that was Him. That was Jesus. And they said one important thing. Didn't you realize that as He spoke to us from His words, Our hearts burn from within us. When you're in the Word of God, you know what happens? Your heart burns for Jesus. When you're in the Word, your heart burns for Jesus. Question is tonight, are you in the Word? Oftentimes, our hearts are not burning for Jesus because we're not in the Word. And listen to what he goes on, and he says this in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. This is amazing now. I delight to do your will, and the reason why I delight to do your will, because I'm in your word. And he says this, oh my God, your law is within my heart. You want to be in the will of God, you have to be in the word of God? You want to be in the will of God, you need to be in the word of God. You will be out of the will of God if you're not in the word of God. And this is what he's saying now. My heart is burning inside of me. I'm in your will. I delight to do your will, Lord, because it's a response now. And I am joyfully doing your will because I'm in God's word and I'm obeying now. You see, when when our heart delights in God's law, when you delight in God's law here, When you're delighting in it like David is, guess what? It is very easy to obey what it says. Because you're delighting in the law of the Lord. So therefore, you have no problem obeying it. No problem obeying what he has to say. You see, David here is bringing a sacrifice now. And the sacrifice that he's bringing now, it's a different focus. Because he's bringing his own body, his own life at the altar. Before he was bringing sacrifices and offerings, and now you know what he's bringing? He's putting his body on the altar, and he says, Lord, I am the sacrifice now. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2. There are oftentimes we come to the altar, and you know who we do? Lord, here's my sacrifice. And then you stand back, and the Lord said, That's not what I want. And then we bring a burnt offering, Lord, here's my sacrifice. And you put it on the altar, and this, the, the Lord said, That's not what I want. I want you to put yourself on the altar. That's exactly what I want. I want you. This is so important notice how as we continue reading in verse 9 what he says I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly Lord I will proclaim I will tell about your justice about your good news in the great assembly I've, I will not restrain my lips I won't be afraid to speak about you it says indeed I do not restrain my lips O Lord you yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I'm going to speak about your faithfulness. I'm going to speak about your holiness. I'm going to speak about your righteousness. Because in your law is that which I delight in. Verse now 11 here, we're going to trust God with all that remains. There are many answers to prayers that you are still waiting for right now. There are many situations that you need to give to the Lord so that He can respond now and the best now resource and response that we have is to trust God with all that remains some of us tonight need to go back to our prayer clause and say that lord i'm going to trust you with all that remains because i don't know but God knows now notice here verse 11 it says do not withhold your tender mercies from me o lord let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me, O oh Lord. May your faithfulness protect me. Don't hold it back. This is a renewed prayer now. He's saying your affection and your protection, I need it, Lord. For the immemorable in- evils have surrounded me, Lord. There are more evils that I can number. I'm overwhelmed by this. I can look up. I can't see a way out right now, God. But I'm trusting in you even right now when I can't see a way out and he says here my iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up or to see a way out he says they are more than the hairs of my head therefore my heart fails me When I think about everything that I'm going through I'm discouraged When I think about the situation that I I'm never going to get out of this pit oh lord I'm scared when I think about how long I've been going through this test and this trial, I, I wonder, Lord, am I ever going to be able to look up again? But he's saying, oh God, help me. In fact, verse, 14, verse 13, he says this, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Help me, God. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion. My enemies who seek to destroy my life. There are those that are after me. Let them be driven backward now. Those who have brought now to dishonor who wish to do me evil, let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Think about those that just are coming and saying, we're going to get you. Think about those that are the enemy that is coming that wants to lay a trap for you so that you can fall. And, and, and what is David doing? Lord, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to let you defend me. Because the moment that you try to defend yourself, God will step back and says, okay. You do it. And guess what? You're going you're to end up very frustrated. Because you're not going to be able to do it. We need to let the Lord defend us just like David let the Lord defend him. In fact, verse 16, it says here this. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. And those when they see that you help me, they're going to worship you, Lord. Verse 16, this is what he's saying. The Lord be magnified, or the Lord is great. Look what he's done in his life, or her life. But I am poor and needy. I'm vulnerable, God. I'm weak right now, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Wow. I'm evil, I'm needy, I'm poor, he's saying. I'm going through all these, these evil plans of the enemy that is coming against me. Notice what he's saying. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. I might feel lonely, notice this, but I'm never alone. Do you see how he's he's hanging on to the Lord as his anchor? He's holding on to the Lord as his promise. He's holding on to the Lord as his answer. And he says this, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Don't delay, Lord. Rescue me. The New Living Translation says this, as for me, since I'm poor and needy, Lord, help me. Or keep me in your thoughts, God. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. You see, if David learned anything from the years that he was exiled when the years that he was running, it was that his ultimate success and all the battles that he ever went through and all the problems depended upon his faith in the Lord and his patience during God's providential care for his life. Even when you can't see it, God is working behind the scenes. Even when you can't see it. I love the story of Hudson Taylor, a missionary that went from England to China. And it said that no matter where Hudson Taylor lived, wherever he lived, above his fireplace, he would hang two little plaques. One plaque said Ebenezer, and the other plaque said Jehovah Jireh. What an amazing thing this missionary Hudson Taylor was a man that started many orphanages. And on one plaque, wherever he lived, above the fireplace, he put Ebenezer and the other one Jehovah Jireh. You know what these words mean? Ebenezer, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And the second plaque, the Lord will provide. Aren't those promises to hold on to? Thus far, the Lord's going to help me. (laughs) Thus far, He has helped me. And also, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But in this next chapter, notice here in in, in Psalms 41, he's going to teach us that even through suffering, even through through trial, even through the the day of difficulty, we ought never to become bitter in suffering. Because when we find ourselves in difficulty, we we can use this psalm, Psalm 41, to take an inventory of our spiritual condition by answering, asking first, and answering these four questions. When it comes to Psalms 41, number one, integrity. How do I treat others? I'm going through a trial, I'm going through a test, Is a test. How are you treating other people during that test? Are you angry at people all the time? Are you responding in the flesh? Number two question, how do others treat us? How are other people treating me right now and how am I responding? Number four, mercy. Think about how God treats you. Think about how God has mercy in us or for us in the trial? God has mercy available for us and His grace available for us in the trial. But then we also think about glory, how we treat or how we ought to treat the Lord in worship, even in the season, we have to be very submissive. Verse 41, let's read this now, or chapter 41, verse 1, it says, Blessed is he who considers the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord's going to deliver that person in the time of trouble. What a blessing to those that are kind to the poor. God rescues him in the time of trouble. The Lord will not only rescue, but the Lord also will persevere. The Lord will provide, and the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him out of the bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. bed. What a promise here. Integrity, how do you treat others? Blessed is the man that is kind to those that are poor and needy. What is the Lord going to do? He is going to come and rescue. He's going to come deliver. He's going to come strengthen. He's going to come sustain, right? Because He has three things for us He is our defense, He is our deliverer, and He is my sustainer. Remember that, please, tonight. He is my defense, He's my deliverer, He is my sustainer. I might not think we're the Providence is going to come from. I might not know Where the preservation has come from But God's preservations are God's Preparations He's preparing me for something right now That's why He's preserving me also And notice verse 4 it says I said Lord be merciful to me Heal my soul for I have sinned against you My enemies speak evil of me Oh Lord heal me He's acknowledging now that he needs the Lord's help And he's in need of one thing Restoration now When will he die and his name perish, God? Because I feel the pressure. In fact, look at what he says when it comes to how others treat us. And he's going to be expressive to the Lord. It says, and if he comes to see me, he speaks lie. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. All those who hate me whisper together against me. Against me, they devise my hurts. This is those that are coming against David. Those that maybe speak against you. Listen to the evil now that's taking place. And evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. Even my own family or my familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Even those people that are closest to me have turned their back on me. Do you see how he realized how other people are treating him? Maybe think about those that are your closest family friends. And at one point or another, they turn their back on you. Those people that you love, those people that you cared about, they turn their back on you. But how are you treating them? How are you responding? Now, let's keep reading here because in verse 10, this is how we ought to respond to the Lord here. It says, but you, O Lord, verse 10, be merciful to me and raise me up, God. Make me well again, heal me. Notice what he says, that I may repay them by this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. God, I know that you're pleased because even though they're coming after me, guess what the Lord is doing? He's defending me. He's defending me. He's preserving me. Lord, you're looking at my integrity. It says, as for me now, you uphold me in my integrity. I don't know about them, but as for me, you're going to protect me because of my what? Integrity. When, you, you, when you're blameless, guess what, you can also be bold. <laughs> when you're living a life of holiness, guess what, you can live also a life of confidence. It's when we are sinning and we're trying to defend ourselves in the flesh, you no longer can be confident or bold. Because you know everything in your life is, is done by your own hands. But listen what he says, I'm so confident that you're upholding me because of my integrity, Lord. I have nothing to be ashamed or scared about. I'm blameless and you set before me your face forever now here. In fact, he says, you uphold me and you have brought me now to your presence because of my humility and because of my submission to you. Do you see here that in verse 12, we start to see that, that David's Goal was here to glorify God and and praise God in God's presence forever? Ask yourself right now, what is my goal? In spite of what I'm going through, what is the goal that I have to do? Is my goal to get even? (laughs) Or is my goal to submit? What's the goal? What is it that you're looking for? Because here David was looking for one thing. He was looking for the presence of God. What are you looking for? Are you looking for people to experience the pain that they've caused in your heart or are you looking to go into the presence of God? Just like the song that we say, oh, I'm running to your arms. My heart will sing no other name but Jesus. You turn what the enemy meant for evil and you've turned it for good. Let's read here verse 13 because he's going to worship. It says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting Amen and amen. Praise God now who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. You know what an amen here means? It means surely, surely. This is an affirmation of faith. He's amen in God. Amen. I know he's going to deliver me. Amen, Lord. I know that you're going you're to be there for me. You're going to stand for me. Amen. This is a, a repetition, an expression now of enthusiastic agreement now to God's plan for his life. We have to pray and say, Lord, we agree. We are in agreement, Lord, for your will in our lives right now. If this is what you have for me, surely, surely, God, you're going to bring it to pass. You're going to bring me to pass. Surely, Lord, I am in agreement to your will. I'm, I'm affirming my trust in you, and I am in agreement here on earth as it is in heaven to your plan, not my plan. Do you see what David is doing now? And notice this, that God answers his people's prayers, not to make his people comfortable, but to bring glory to his name. Amen. Can we praise God for that? To bring glory to his name. Let's look at chapter 43. It's only here, or 42. It's only here a few verses now. But we see here, this is an amazing chapter to end with tonight. Because you're going to see that David is longing for God. David is remembering God. And then even in the little chapter after, David is trusting God. And yeah, he was trusting God, but it didn't mean that he was in wrestling. <laughs> you're trusting God doesn't mean you're not wrestling with doubt. doesn't mean you're not wrestling with fear. You see, he's, he's fluctuating here in the Psalms between faith and despair. But he continues to encourage himself in the Lord. Do you remember in, in, in Samuel when it said that David went out to fight a battle and he came back that him and his mighty men, they had he found out at the camp that they had taken his wife and all the children and it said that they tore their clothes and they cried and they cried till they could cry no more. Have you ever cried to the point where you can't cry anymore? <laughs> Imagine coming back to the camp, to the house, and your wife and your children are gone. Not only your wife, but the wife and the, and the children of the men that are with you, that you let them out. It said that, that, that David's men started to speak about stoning him. <laughs> Because he had let them out. You know what David did when he heard that his men wanted to turn on him and stone him? It said that he cried till he could cry no more. And then he encouraged himself in the Lord. I think maybe God's calling us to do that tonight. Yeah, go for it. Wrestle with despair. But then encourage yourself in the Lord. Notice it says verse 1 here to 5. As a deer pants for the waters. Another song here. If you've been in the church, this is a hymn. Beautiful hymn. I encourage you to go listen to it tonight. As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. This is amazing. Just like the deer, look at how poetic he is. Look at the the imagery that he's pointing here, the, the symbolism that we get through Psalms 42. As the deer that pants, or that is longs, that desires, that is thirsty now for water in the water brook. Just like that, Lord, I am thirsty. I am hungry for your presence. Oh, this is beautiful here. My soul thirsts for God, what he's saying. And I want to come and stand before Him. In fact, he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When can I go in His presence? When can I go into the presence? Have you thought about that lately? Oftentimes we think, when can I go to that person's house. When are I going to be able to go back to the beach? <laughs> when, are gonna be, when are we going to be able to go do different things that we used to do? I mean, think about it. When can I go into the presence of God? Nothing is keeping you away from that. He said, I, I, I cannot wait. I'm longing. I'm thirsting. I have a desire now, just like the deer that is panting for the water now. I have a hunger now for God because of the satisfaction that it brings. I have a hunger for God because of the satisfaction that He brings. Notice what He says, My tears have been my food day and night. While well, they continually say to me, Where is your God? I'm looking for the presence of God, and I'm broken now. He says, verse 4, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul. As a deer is panting for the water, as I'm pouring out my soul, because I want the Lord, notice that He remembers here, my soul within me, for I used to go in the past, with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and with praises. With the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast, a celebration. I remember when I was able to go to the house of God. You know what's sad today that many people don't have a desire to go to the house of God? David was running from his enemies from cave to cave, and he's saying, Lord, I just want to go back to your house, I just want to go to your presence. I remember when there were so many people at the church and in the congregation. I want to be there again, Lord, because I know how much satisfying it is. Now people are getting upset when you open the church. Do you have a desire for the presence of God? Now notice as we keep reading, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He said, Why are you so discouraged, my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you so sad? My hope is in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Do you see the contrast? you see how He's wrestling now? But why are you discouraged? But why are you so sad? I'm going to keep trusting in God and my countenance is going to be on Him. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of the Hamron, deep from the hill of Mizar, deep calls into deep as the noise of your waterfalls. Oh Lord, I'm so far, but I remember your presence. From wherever that I I'm am, I'm going to hold on to that, Lord. Even though I feel that I'm being swept over. Notice that he says in verse 7, All your waves and billows have gone over me. I feel overwhelmed, God, but I'm remembering God. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. He's trusting in the Lord. And in the night His song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? But he's saying, Lord, why... Are you so distant? Notice. Why do I go mourning because of my oppression at the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. Well, they say to me all day long, where is your God? My enemies are looking at me and saying, Where is your God? Where's your answer? I thought you would have been better by now. But notice what he's saying, but I'm trusting in God. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted with me? Why are you so sad? In the most difficult circumstances, he's going to put his hope in God. And notice what he says here. I hope in God, for for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I'm going to praise him. Things around me might be changing, but God is still the same. Things around me might be changing, but he's still the rock. He is still stable. He is still strong. God is unchanging now. In fact, Psalms 42 and Psalms 43 were one psalm originally. They were broken down by commentators putting the Bible together originally. But listen to the five verses that go on, because this is a prayer to God in time of trouble. Lord, declare me innocent. Give me justice. Return me to your temple for worship. And this is a renewed call for hope. Notice what he says here in verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation. There are those that are coming against me in this nation... Defend me, God. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and the unjust man. For you are God, my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? What does he say here in verse verse 1 and 2? You are my deliverer, verse 1. Verse 2, you are my strength now. Verse 3, oh, send out your light and your truth. This is amazing. This is what we should be praying. Send out your light and your truth. For what? Let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Why do you need now the light of God? Why is it that you need His truth? What is His light and His truth? That's imagery, that's poetry now. What does He say now? Just think about the nation of Israel. In the Exodus time, in the wilderness, what do they have? They had a a pillar of fire by now and a cloud by day. And what would that pillar of fire would do? It would light the, the night, literally, for them, so that they could know where to go, and it would lead them and bring them to the presence of God. And he's saying, Lord, I need that. I need your light to lead me, to bring me now, as a pillar by night and a cloud by day, and let it be your light and your truth, your faithfulness, that brings me back into your presence. But what is the light of God? What is the light of God for you today? Is His Word. Right? In Psalms 119, He says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Word of God, you know where it takes you? Right into the presence of God. A lot of people think, well, I can go into the presence of God without the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the truth in the Word of God that takes you into the presence of God. You can't experience the Holy Spirit without the Word of God. Because the word of God is only pointing now, the ministry of the of the Holy Spirit points back to what? The Word of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit points back to the Word of God. And if it's not pointing back to the Word of God, then it's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now let's keep reading here. It says, Then I will go to the altar of God, and to God my exceedingly joy, and I will on the harp I will praise you, O my God, my God. Lord, I I just want to worship you. Can I bring my harp? Can I go back to your presence? Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in my God. I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And what He's reminding us, that God's people must remember God's goodness and mercy will follow them. The light and the truth will lead them. Mercy will follow us and His light and His truth will lead us. Can we pray? Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Your word is true. We thank you for these psalms that we have been able to read, Lord, even tonight, God. We ask that you would minister to us. Lord, in whatever situation that we might find ourselves right now, in whatever trial that we would think that we would be in right now, Lord, that we would remember, Lord, on the road to recovery, God, that we need your light and your truth to lead the way. Oftentimes, we're lost. We feel lost. We we find ourselves in a place, Lord, that we are lost, God, because we're not being led by your light and your truth, Lord. But tonight, we ask, Lord, that you would lead us by your light and by your truth. We thank you, Father. I ask for my brothers and sisters, Lord, tonight, Lord, that you would lead them. Lord, that we would trust you. They would have... confidence and boldness God that we are going to see a victory God that we're going to see a victory Lord and what the enemy turned for evil what the enemy meant for evil Lord you would make it good Lord minister to us Lord Minister to us, Jesus. Can we all stand?